Um, but just welcome to this um, beautiful New Year's Eve morning. Um, as um, Brent pointed out, I'm standing in for Andrew today. He's away on holiday, hopefully catching a wave at Sumner Beach. But uh, looking at the forecast, he's probably inside now, probably watching us. So I better say hello, Andrew, <laughs> just in case you're taking notes. Uh, we've got a PowerPoint. Here we go. I've just uh, used this uh, title of look, so we'll, we'll, we'll try to do a little bit of looking. Um, it's a time when we look back, isn't it, and look forward into the new year and maybe have a New Year's resolution. We um, celebrate. I was down at the bay the other, the other day and it was a really good vibe down there. It's all the uh, camper vans are in, in the bay. The, um, the old crazy um, carnival rides were going. Um, a lot of hot dogs you could smell down there, lots of people, the cruise boat was in, lots of people wandering around and, and we had ACDC tribute band was playing. <laughs> and there were a few old rockers there doing a bit of head banging and I was just thinking if um, two of Jesus' disciples were there, James and John, they would have got into that one. Thunder! <laughs> that would have been their song. And then the new playground, what a, what a wonderful setup. And it was just full of um, children and parents and grandparents really enjoying that facility. What a fantastic asset. And then um, I opened the paper because the local Timaru, Timaru Herald was doing a looking back. It's called 2023 in Review. So I sort of had a look at it. I'm calling it the calendar of chaos. So we've got uh, Jacinda here, the lovely kind Jacinda's gone and looks like replaced by Winston. Um, and I was just thinking about that. It's not, not so bad, is it, to have a, a boomer in the house <laughs> teaching some of those Gen Zs proper parliamentary etiquette. And then we've got the floods and we've got a um, lodge fire burning down but the review of the mosque inquest which was a terrible thing ram raids cyclone Gabriel and then of course the atrocities of October 7 the Hamas attack and I was thinking um, I'd rather listen to the Reverend Dan Smith <laughs> uh, we're Christians, we, we, don't, we don't have to look at life that way, do we? We can pick and choose what we're to concentrate on and focus on. But uh, the Reverend Dan Smith has a song, he says, um, Take every knock as a boost, every stumbling block as a stepping stone, lift up your head and hold your own, just keep going on. So that, I think, would be a, a good testimony for us, wouldn't it? Just keep going on. So um, today is that traditional day when we do look. Time of the year when people gather together and celebrate. 
might have some fireworks. But we do a bit of looking back, reflecting on the past year and looking forward, making a New Year's resolution for the year ahead. Is it going to go? No. How are we going? All right. <laughs> Was working about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> but anyway, um, where this idea of looking back and looking forward comes to, it comes from the ancient Romans. Um, they had a made-up god called Janus, and they named the month of January after him. It has an old face that looks back and a young face that looks forward. When we get older, or as we get older, you tend to reflect quite a bit on your life. When I think of significant life experiences, I think about birth and death. I was privileged to be at the births of all my daughters. But by the time my youngest daughter was born, I'd become a Christian. And I made, it made me think much more about the significance and wonder of it all. After she was born, I spent the rest of the night talking about it to my dear old mother, uh, keeping her up until sunrise. I started thinking about the mystery of it all. And I applied Psalm 139 to what I'd just witnessed. And I would have read it like this. For you formed Bex, my youngest, in, in, in inward parts. You covered her in her mother's womb. I will praise you, for she is fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. There is a translation of the psalm called the Passion Translation that states things a little bit more clearly to us. It reiterates how God shapes our delicate insides and our intricate outside, how he weaves them all together, how mysteriously complex and marvellously breathtaking it all is, how it simply amazes the psalm writer to think about it and how thoroughly we are known by the Lord. And that was how I was thinking that night. In a similar way, I can look back at the death of my father my father, my mother, my two brothers and I, along with the district nurse, were around his bed when he took his last breath. After he died, I had the privilege of helping the district nurse to lay him out. As a Christian, I found this to be deeply significant. According to Genesis 2.7, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In biblical times, the word formed was commonly applied to the handiwork of a potter. Adam is the Hebrew word for humankind, which bears resemblance to the Hebrew uh, word for earth, which is Adamah. It is easy to think of this forming of Adam out of the earth to be like the act of a potter, 
working with clay. In Isaiah 64, 8, it says, But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you our potter. And all of us are the work of your hand. Now, in a former life, I was an art teacher and I always enjoyed working with clay. When you open up a new batch of clay, it is wet on the surface and cold to the touch. And I thought about how the Bible talks about Adam being formed by God out of the dust. And of Jesus healing a man who was blind from birth by mixing some clay and smearing it on his eyes. It is interesting that when we die, our human body feels just like clay. And that we know that our loved one has left that body, the living soul has departed. We having any joy there or no. no, okay, we'll just keep going, that's fine. Yep. Um, we do not need a made up God to tell us where to look. We as Christians have our own symbols to guide us about where to look. The cross can be like a signpost showing us the way, which way to look. We are to look back, but first we are to look up. In Isaiah 55, um, 8 to 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He is higher than us, and we are to look up to him. Before we look anywhere else, we are to look to him. If we do remember who he is and who we are, creatures before our creator, the clay pot before the master potter, with respect and expectancy, believing he will reveal himself as he promises, we may not see anything, but we will encounter him. Now I had a slide up here of a picture of a man, a man who God reveals himself to. His name is Afshin Javid. Now some of you may have seen him. He was a member of Hezbollah. He believed that killing, the killing of a Christian or of a Jew was the greatest thing he could do to serve his God. He was a very committed Muslim, doing far more than was expected of him in study, in prayer, and in sacrificial service. He looked up, calling out to God for help. He was in a state of panic and fear when he looked up and called out to God, using his native language of Iran, which is Farsi, and not to Allah in Arabic, as a Muslim is instructed to do. Being a Muslim... You can only pray to Allah in Arabic. He called out, God help me, because a demonic spirit had manifested in his prison cell and was pinning him to the floor. When he called out, God help me, the demonic spirit immediately left. The very powerful way in which his cry for help was answered caused him a lot of confusion. And sometime later, 
he called out again, this time for the true God to show himself. God revealed himself, and in a state of amazement he asked, Who are you? And the vision told him, I am Jesus, the son of the living God. The last time I watched Afshin Javid, a former enemy of Israel and of Christians, he was in Jerusalem praying for the protection of Israel and asking his brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for the Hamas fighters that they would have their eyes opened and be free of their spiritual bondage just as he had been. Now we've got something happening, have we? We've done a looking up. I'll just move on. This is the man I'm talking about. And this is him after. He's on YouTube if you want to look him up and hear his testimony. We know that... um, for a Christian to become, uh, for a Muslim to become a Christian is a very dangerous thing. And we know also that um, Muslims and Jews who receive Christ can become the most committed of all Christians. We also know that it's an extremely powerful testimony of how they can become Christians through God's grace. Now there is one direction we're cautioned about looking at and that's to look down. There is a kind of looking down that means being preoccupied with worldly things. Blaise Pascal called this preoccupation with worldly things licking the earth. And here are some things that we may become preoccupied with when we look down. A self-explanatory, I think. That's a problem, isn't it? We don't want to do what that dog does. Return to its vomit. I think this one here of the two people looking down is the one we must be cautious of as Christians, especially It's the one that Jesus most riled against, looking down on others. But at other times, it's a good idea to look down so that we don't put our foot in it or tread on toes. And another good reason for looking down is to help someone up. But the arrow pointing down is really an invitation for us to look in, to look inward. God gives us his Holy Spirit to help us look in, to look inwards. But we must learn how to listen spiritually and allow him to speak. The Holy Spirit is often depicted as a dove. When Noah sent out the birds from the ark, the dove did not land until new life appeared. And he brought evidence of that new life back to Noah. 
When we are born again and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, bringing us into a living relationship with God. We can begin our walk of faith to progress as a pilgrim. The theologian Emil Brunner said that scripture is not just a word directed for our understanding, but its purpose is to achieve something through being understood. In Genesis, God asks five questions. And these are good questions for us as Christians to focus on for this new year coming. The first question is, where are you? This is the theological question which asks us to review our relationship with the Lord. We are invited with this question to come home. Second question, who told you? This is the ideological question that invites us to see our capacity for self-deception. Very critical in these days with so much information flying around on the internet. Third question, what have you done? This is a question that bids us to come clean. It's the moral and ethical question best answered by confessing our guilt. Fourth question, why are you angry? The psychological question, to help us understand the wellspring of our demandingness, which will reveal the hidden motives behind all our activity and busyness, our goals and aspirations. And the last question, where is your brother? This is the social and relational question. We are called to be in community, interacting and relating to our diversely different brothers and sisters in Christ, remembering that this fellowship is meant to replicate the community of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and how God relates to us. Oops, <laughs> just go back there. Can we go back? Looking back, sorry, I've got it now. Here's a looking back. Oh, well, actually, I had that one there. I'll just have a look at that one, it's quite good. Um, this is a picture of President Kennedy's son, Jack Jr. I really like this picture. Um, um, no one can just enter into the office of the President of the United States and sit under his table. Um, but JFK's child could. And like Jack Jr., we have open access to the throne room of God, God's Oval Office. I can truly say, looking back, There's not a day that goes past when I don't look back to the time when God revealed himself to me. And in doing so, I remind myself that I am a sinner saved by grace and that I am the beloved of God. God loves the sinner, but those who he has called by name and said, Child, you are mine, are the beloved of God. We are his children and he is our Abba Father. I remember back to that time when I first became a Christian 
um, I had some encounters. Um, when it got round my place of work that I'd become a Christian, I had two colleagues pay me a visit in my cl- classroom. One wanted to ask me some questions about what church I was attending and what denomination it was. Uh, When I told her that I was attending a Christian church and that it was a Christian denomination, she quickly gave up her questioning and withdrew. The other colleague came not with a question but with an invitation to join a group of Christians that were meeting for breakfast once a week for fellowship and prayer. I learned a lot from this group, some of whom were studying for the ministry. There was a lot of banter, lumpy porridge and thoughtful discussion, as well as humility and prayer. My colleague became a friend and and an accomplice when we took on wider roles in, in the school. We organised school assemblies, socials and inter-school exchanges where we changed up the paradigm to reflect our shared Christian faith. One person was trying to put me in a box, put me into a category of one of those. The other was offering the hand of Christian friendship. Big difference. Looking ahead. Now, the Greeks had an invented god like Janus called Kronos. He was the god of time, where we get the idea for the figure of Father Time. Kronos wasn't very nice, he devoured his children. As you get older, you can feel as though your youth is being devoured by time. You don't see or hear things as well as you used to and you are prone to forgetting things. Let's take Kronos off for a minute, I think. (laughs) But while Kronos is devouring the outer man, Jesus is building up the inner man. It is the inner life that the kingdom of God wants to penetrate. It is what the apostle Paul prays for the believers in Ephesus to be strengthened in their inner life. That's the priority of his prayer and not to have their outer life circumstances changed. Our priority too must be the inner life. This is where God looks at the heart, our inner being of mind, will and emotions Our inner being must be empowered by the Holy Spirit in order for us to grasp the things of God. Knowing God is not knowing about him, but experiencing him personally. In John 17, 20, 23, Jesus prays to his Father, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, Just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may have one or be one as we are one. 
I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And in 1 John 3 we read, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. In this, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Let's move past Kronos. <laughs> Go. <laughs> yeah, that's better. This is our motive for pressing on. This is the higher calling of our Lord. And as Christians... We have just one resolution, not just for the new year, but for every year and every day and every moment. We have to be intentional. This is our one resolution. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. So now I look back and see what is behind me, the world, and I look ahead into the new year to see what is constantly before me. The cross of Jesus. Not just wearing a cross round my neck, but the deep, serious contemplation of its meaning and application to my life. Jesus coming down out of glory to live among us, his sacrificial death and resurrection from the dead, and the promises these give, and his promise never to leave or forsake us, and to remember that he is coming again. This is our joy, the joy of Nehemiah, or the joy Nehemiah spoke of when he said, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let us pray. Dear Lord, watch over us as a church community this new year. As we continue our walk of faith, keep us willing, open to your probing questions that pierce our hardened hearts, challenge our apathy and ease, reveal selfishness and pridefulness, that heal broken hearts and help us grasp your truth and lead us to the person of Jesus Christ. Flow through us with your divine power to make us the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name and to the glory of the Father. Amen. Amen.